Women on Screen Out Loud is proudly supported by Company 3 Toronto. Company 3 is the leading post-production provider to the world's top content creators. Welcome to Women on Screen Out Loud, giving a platform to women in the film industry who challenge, motivate, and inspire on all sides of the camera. We are your hosts, Lara Jean Korostecki and Jennifer Pogue. Sometimes, just believing in yourself and your goals is half the journey to achieving them. We know, we know, easier said than done. In her essay distinctively titled, Hey, I Could Do That, actor and director Michelle Morgan discusses the strategies and motivations that propelled her to take a long-standing leap from leading lady to leader in the director's chair. Last fall, I directed my first hour of primetime TV. And it was the single most exhilarating and frightening experience I have had in this industry. And once I was in the thick of it, I realized two things. One, directing is one of those things you have to learn from experience. You can't learn it from a book or a YouTube tutorial. And two, I could do it. Despite all of my doubts, directing was surprisingly intuitive for me. So Why did it take me 12 years of working in film and TV to even admit I wanted to direct? And another four years to really get going. My first roadblock to directing was believing I could do it. And my second roadblock was convincing other people I could do it. (laughs) But let's focus on that first one. Growing up, I watched my older sister Wendy become a renowned music video and commercial director. I often worked on her sets, and I was totally blown away by how thick-skinned she was. I mean, she didn't care what people thought of her. She was so single-minded in her vision as a director, and I, meanwhile, was this sensitive actor picking up on the energy of every grumbling crew member in the room as we pushed into overtime or feeling the stress vibrating off of the producer because Wendy had gone over budget. In those moments, everyone would look to Wendy for answers, and I would internally panic for her. But she was unfazed. She was cool as a cucumber. She was focused on what she wanted. I thought to myself, I could never do what she did. I'm not tough enough. In 2007, I was cast on a television series that has been blessed with a very long run. As I record this, I am partway through filming a new season now in 2021, so you do the math. Diving into television was a different world. And once again, I contemplated directing. I would observe the director's I would note their strategies, the ones that worked, the ones that didn't work. You know, but then I decided I wasn't cut out to direct TV either. I was nothing like the directors I worked with. I didn't look like them. I didn't have their confidence and bravado. The television directors I saw, by and large, were middle-aged white men. They all had differing styles, but the one thing they shared in common was an ease and a confidence with leadership. Our crew was also mostly white men, and they felt comfortable being led by these directors. How would they feel if I was leading them, I thought. I just, I couldn't see it. Over the years, things began to change. Networks started demanding more female directors, and the first few women I worked with were longtime veterans. I learned a lot from these women. 
They were talented and visionary. They had paved the way not just for themselves, but for all women in the industry. They had come up in a time when the only women on set were actresses or hair and makeup ladies. Most of them seemed to gain the respect of the crew by taking on the same characteristics as their male counterparts. They were tough, they were thick-skinned, they didn't care what people thought, and they could stare down an all-male camera crew and tell them exactly where to go. And as much as I admired them, I just wasn't like that. I still couldn't see myself in these directors. Things continued to change, though, and slowly we were seeing more diversity in our directors. We started working with up-and-coming female directors who were of my generation, and suddenly I found myself working with veteran actresses turned directors. And this is where the revelation happened. Megan Follows was relatively new to directing the first time I worked with her. She was still learning in many ways, but she knew her strengths. She loved working with actors and was able to collaborate with the DP to get the feeling and the energy she wanted in a scene. And then there was Kristen Lehman. She was this calm, beautiful woman who took time with actors and carried herself with a mixture of sensitivity and confidence. Most directors have no idea what it's like to stand in front of a camera. It was a relief to finally work with someone who understood and could speak my language. I could see myself in these women. I watched them and I thought, hey, I could do that. After much thought and meditation, I began to dip my toes in the water. I talked to the producers about directing. I wrote and directed a couple short films and a web series. I paid closer attention to the lenses and the camera. I watched masterclasses and YouTube tutorials on cinematography. I read books. I had always watched directors carefully, but now I took on official shadow positions. I took notes. I mean, it was all eye-opening. And I finally convinced myself I could direct. Now to my second roadblock, convincing other people that I could do it. This challenge was more about stubborn perseverance, and I won't say I pestered the producers of my show, but pretty close. I called and I emailed them regularly. I boasted of my confidence and preparation. I cut a directing reel and made sure that they had seen my award-winning short film. But throughout that process, I still had major twinges of doubt. Could I actually do it? I mean, it was one thing to do a three-day short film, but an entire episode of television with stunts and animals and crazy Canadian weather, could I handle that? I honestly wasn't sure. But I knew that there was only one way to find out. And finally, thankfully, with the help of one particular producer who had faith in me, I was given a shot. And while I was directing, there were still moments of doubt, times where I second-guessed myself, But there were also moments of ease, of inspiration, and joy. It was good. I overcame huge hurdles, and I reminded myself to remain calm, patient, and brave. I was so prepared and so energized. I hadn't felt that creatively turned on since I stood in front of a live audience performing Shakespeare in the Park. Throughout this entire journey from acting to directing, I considered my innate actor sensitivity a flaw. As an actor, you have to keep the channel open. You have to be sensitive to people's energy. It's a job requirement. As a director, being sensitive can hamper your ability to do your job. But I've discovered a hack for this. It's not perfect, but so far it's worked for me. I remind myself that the most important relationship on set is between me and the story. The story is my fickle girlfriend. She's my lover. I have to woo her and court her and sometimes be demanding of her. 
I have to keep her close to my heart and make sure that she doesn't get lost, despite the chaos that might be happening around me on set. So in that way, I think that my innate sensitivity is actually serving rather than hindering me. Here's my revelation. To overcome the roadblocks I faced, I had to learn to stop trying to become the directors I wasn't and become the director I was. I had to hone my own set of skills. I had to bring my unique vision to the set. I had to realize that although I may never be that tough, uber-confident director, my confidence could shine in a different way. I could lead from a place of passion, preparation, and most of all, authenticity. And now, I can only hope that maybe one day on set, a young woman will see me at work and reflect on her own dreams and aspirations and think, hey, I could do that. Coming up, Lara Jean and Michelle speak to bravery, serving the story and a director's love language. I'm Lara Jean Korostecki. I'm here with Michelle Morgan. Michelle, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. And you are in Calgary right now. I am. I'm here working. Amazing. Uh, and working on the show that you mentioned, correct? Yes, Heartland. That's Which right. has been, oh, can we do the math? It has been going for um, a wonderful amount of years. Yeah, we're, we're in season 15, which oh is crazy. Now. Murdoch has you beat then right now, right? What's uh, Murdoch? Uh, I'm not sure. But is Murdoch an hour? Is Yeah, Murdoch's an hour, isn't it? Oh, I don't think should. they have a speed. Let's let's check. Should we check? Yeah. We're can gonna, someone check? Someone check while we <laughs> continue. Sh- Jen or Farah? I'm pretty sure we have like one or two more seasons than Murdoch. That's insane. It's insane. Mm. Uh, what a blessing to be a part of that. And congratulations on 15 Thank awesome you. seasons. Um, so... Just before we started recording this interview, you were talking about when you sat down to write the essay and how you kind of, you said you thought it would be easy and then it wasn't. So talk to me a little bit about the process of, of how you came to write about directing. Well, I just, I wanted to shine a little light on, at first I thought it would be about the transition from acting to directing. Um, because a lot of people, when I tell them, oh, I'm directing now, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, like that. That makes sense. It's it's it seems very straightforward and obvious to a lot of people. Like, yes, of course, you've been acting on the show for many years and now you direct. But it was not a straightforward and easy transition mm. um, for me. It was painstaking and took years of like mental and emotional effort, and then the physical effort. And it, I, so I thought it would be about that, but then I realized that it was more just about me overcoming my own insecurity. When we were reading it, you talk a lot about the societal tropes kind of, and like what leadership has looked like in the past versus mm-hmm. what it looks like now. And I felt, did that factor into some of the insecurity? I mean, it seems to have that, like you just couldn't see this new version of leadership that you could inhabit. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I give people a lot of credit in, in every way. Like I, I, I like to think that everyone is good and that everyone means well and everyone's doing their best. And I, I give people a lot of credit, but that means that sometimes I don't give myself enough credit in a way. And 
that's the difference between me and my sister. My sister mm-hmm. could walk into a room, my older sister, Wendy, who's an amazing director, she could walk into a room and be like, yeah, there's a bunch of men who are older than me who've been in this industry longer than me, but I know what's best for this project. Mm. Whereas I would walk into a room and be like, they've been doing this a lot longer than me. They 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 have more experience than me. They they know what's best. So I had to overcome that and realize that actually I've done the preparation. I've done the thought. I've put in the work. I don't look like them, but I know what's best. And I had to overcome that. I literally remember going on my first location scout for Heartland. And it was me and literally every other person on this, that particular scout, not all the time, but on that scout was a white man in their fifties. And they literally were all wearing the same brown loafers. It was like this <laughs> uniform. And I was the only one not wearing these brown loafers. And I was like, I am the one who doesn't fit in here. F it. Like, I know what I'm doing. I, this is, I'm in the right place. It's fine. I, but it took a lot. It took like effort to overcome that. You're talking kind of about what confidence, how you honed confidence. Mm-hmm. Did you, I imagine like as an actress, you have a lot of confidence in your skills as an actress. How did, did any of those translate into directing for you? Yes. Uh, it's starting to rain. I know. I hear the rain. storm outside and now the <laughs> rain is coming. Um, yes. My skills as a director translated when I was working with the actors. So like that instinct of like, how do I help this actor? You know, if there's green actors that helped, but like in terms of going into directing, I I don't think that confidence actually direct uh, translated, Mm. sorry, because, because it is a different skill set and it's a different hat and it's a different energy. Actually, I I just want to quickly comment on that because I found it so interesting talking to an actor director, Chris Potter, who's on our show. Mm -hmm. He, put it really well in terms of the energy when you're acting your energy has to be really grounded you know but when you're directing because you're dealing with so many people and you have to be like so you have to be like your antennas have to be like so broad it's that he's he put it that like your energy is up high Mm. it's like on high alert whereas when you're acting you have to like push that energy down and ground yourself um so I do find them really different that's so interesting. Is, is it like the idea of, yeah, when we're acting, there's this sense of, I don't notice the 50 to 150 people surrounding me. And exactly. when you're directing, you have to is kind of, that's so interesting. Oh, that thunderstorm sounds amazing. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Listeners, I hope you're enjoying this. I love the sound of rain so, so much. You're also meditating on the way that we think about ourselves and how we think about ourselves, how it really propels or prevents us from achieving goals or, as you say, sometimes even starting down that path. So it, to some others, it may seem obvious that, of course, if you're acting on a show for a long time, you could then direct, but it's not always. Do you remember that exact moment when you started telling yourself that you could instead of you couldn't? I actually, uh, it really shifted for me after I did my first short. Like, uh, actually, we were on the set of my first short and we were doing kind of a challenging scene with a young actor. And anyway, the scene worked out so well and it was like really vibrant and alive and felt so natural. And it hadn't started that way. And I was like, okay, maybe I I have learned something in all my years in this industry. Like, Mm. (laughs) 
but I needed to do it to convince myself that I could do it. You know what I mean? Like there was no amount of preparation and thinking about it that would convince me. I had to actually do it. So where did the bravery come to get yourself to doing that short in the first place? How did that short come about? Well, because it had to. I mean, I, I was talking to the, the directors, or sorry, I was talking to the producers of Heartland and, and saying, you know, I think I'm interested in directing. And I had already shadowed a little bit at that point. And of course they were like, well, you know, you need to try it first. You need to do a short. What I realized about doing shorts is they are the same amount of work as a feature, just on a smaller scale. So it's all the same steps. There are a lot of work. I'd love to do more, but I'm also at the point where I'm like, I may as well do a feature. It's the same steps. <laughs> Just on a smaller scale. Just longer, longer days in the end. You end up shooting for well, more days. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. The the yeah. more time is spent. Uh, mm-hmm. So these actresses you mentioned, Kristen and Megan, and um, mm-hmm. who turned directors. Was there anything in particular that they did or said that really sparked something creatively for you? For Megan, I remember we were doing a scene and. She was talking about it in a way I had never heard a director talk about it. She was like, she was just talking about the feeling of it. She was like, the energy of this is like a whirlwind. Mm. <laughs> and I, the DP kind of was giving her a bit of side eye, like, tell me where to put the camera. But she was like, the energy is like a whirlwind. And uh, and we found it and, and, you know, we figured out the scene and, and, and she figured out how to shoot it with the DP but she came at it from such a, a different place than I had heard other directors. And then Kristen, she would keep saying things like, okay, great. After we'd run the scene, she'd say, now let's get it in our bods. That's what she'd say. Like, let's get it in our bodies. And I was like, yes, that's what we have to do. We have to like get this in our bodies. Like, So they would just say little things that really were inspiring to me as an actor. Well, it resonates with us. And, and it's such a truism that most directors don't know what it's like to stand in front of a camera. And look, we could probably give a masterclass to directors on empathy about what it's like to stand in front of a camera. I'm curious too, for you, now that you've been on the other side, are there things that you want actors to know about that experience that could help us have empathy for directors? Absolutely. The first thing that actors should know is that we are the wild card. You schedule and you prepare and you can tell everybody else, okay, I need you set up and ready to go at eight. You have to be there, blah, blah, blah. And I need this and this and this, but actors for good reason need more flexibility Mm -hmm. and you never know. They might show up and say, oh no, my wardrobe is all wrong. Oh, just this day's not working. I just, I need more time. And, and as much as you can have everybody, like we're going at eight, we're shooting, da, 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 da the actors may need a lot more time or things just may not be working. You know, if the lighting's not working, you can like be like, okay, no, this needs to work. We got to do this, this, and this. You can't go up to an actor and be like, okay, no, we're starting now. Hit your marks, say your line. Like you're not going to get the performance you want. So actors in terms of budget and scheduling are the wild card, which is why they're often treated with such deference and almost fear. Like people are afraid the actors will slow things down or mess things up. And I mean, I think if you're, once you've been producing long enough, you also realize that like actors are the magic in the bottle and you need to help them find that magic in the bottle. And it's, it's the one art form on set that really just sometimes needs more space. It needs to breathe. It needs 
it's it's not easy. It's it's really I mean nothing's easy about making movies, but acting is is really challenging, and you're trying to create these magical moments in an artificial space. Mm-hmm. What a lovely thing to think about, though, as we look to the crew and our directors. I, I've never thought about it that way. The fact that we are unpredictable. Oh, so unpredictable. Entirely unpredictable in a way that nothing else is. There is fear. You know, it's like, oh no, what's it going to be like when Laura comes to set? Oh, what if, what if she's unhappy with the set? What if she doesn't like it? And, and oh no, that's going to put us behind 45 minutes. Like, and then we're screwed. There's fear. (laughs) Yeah. I I think of um, conversations with directors too on certain sets, you know, certain sets you feel you have more leeway than others in terms of the time. Because certainly as actors, we also feel the time crunch. But those times where you're like, no, I need to have this conversation about this. Like, I cannot act this moment unless oh we've God. had this conversation about what it means because otherwise I have no idea. And you're looking to scripty and you're looking to the producer and you're looking to the director going, what is this? So yes, maybe some empathy in those moments of, um, I know this is a little difficult for you right now because mm. I am a wild card. Thank you. Also, mm-hmm. thank you for giving us all the space and time. Uh, it's such a, yeah, such a beautiful. But it life. really is. I mean, the best actors have learned to take that time and to be demanding of it because guess what? At the end of the day, we all know, and the directors and the producers know this too. You can have all the fancy shots and have all the, everything can be amazing. And if the performance sucks, it sucks. Mm-hmm. So I think actors know that. And I think the actors who've been doing this long enough know I'm going to take my time and maybe you're going to lose a shot in this scene, but guess what? It's going to be a better scene. Well, we're talking about your fickle girlfriend, Miss Story. Mm, and the all, story. Yeah. And serving the story, whether we're mm. in front or behind the camera, that the most important thing is serving the story. I, I remember I was working on um, a movie that's coming out later this year, the Guillermo del Toro's latest. And I remember mm-hmm. he has the wonderful ability because of, of money uh, on his projects to watch playback. He watches playback al- almost after every take, mm-hmm. which uh, for our listeners who don't know is literally watching back the take on the monitor that you just did. And there was a beautiful moment where Willem Dafoe, we were watching playback afterwards and he said to, to Guillermo, no, I'm not getting that moment exactly. You need me to do X, Y, and Z in this particular moment. Uh, and it was such a beautiful, um, between watching him and Guillermo, this actor-director coming together to serve the story. And so we redid the take, and it was something so technical and specific that Willem had picked up on. And it made the this, this two-second little thing so much better. And wow. So setting aside ego and realizing that in order to create that magic, we need to serve Ms. Story. Yes. Oh my gosh, that must have been amazing to see. I mean, Willem Dafoe and Guillermo del Toro, they're both just so incredibly talented. Visionary, visionary people. And so much fun too. What what I can say about Willem and I'm sure others in the industry, he's so wonderful. So fun. Oh my gosh, I, I bet. So fun and wonderful. Life Aquatic is still one of my favorite films. Oh, so good. Like, largely due to his performance. He's so good. <laughs> Educating yourself was also evidently a vital part of your transition to directing. And then mentorship, whether directly or indirectly with Megan and Kristen, was obviously important as well. So you talked about that future young woman who sees you on mm. set when you ended your essay. What advice or resources might you offer to her? 
I just, I, I don't think there's only one way to, to be, to become a director or to, to find your way. I think there are many different ways to do that, but I do think it is important to, to watch the masters, like with a critical eye, like with a director's eye, like to go back and, and watch Scorsese and watch Fellini and watch, you know, new direct Kathleen Hepburn in Canada. Mm. Like what are, what are they doing and why is it, how did they find their, their vision? And it's, um, David Lynch says it's important to just like to to drop the hook in the water, you know, for the ideas, like to like just give yourself that mental space to like sit down and write and not necessarily write stories, but just to like write maybe ideas to mm. journal, you know, to help yourself find your vision. And then ultimately, I would also tell them if you're interested in directing, as I said in the essay, it's one of those things you really can only learn by doing. So you don't need a lot of money but you do need to, to just try to, to have a story and to try to put a lens on it and see what happens. So, oh, uh, Farah, by the way, just checked and it uh, is or Jen did. Murdoch is behind you. Murdoch is mm-hmm. at 14 seasons and you're at 15. So in season 15, yeah. are you directing as well this year? I am. I'm directing two episodes, uh, which is really exciting. But the crazy thing is, I kept hearing rumors. Uh, the producers kept saying, well, you know, they're the biggest episodes this year. They're big. They're big. There's a cattle drive. There's this. There's that. And I was getting nervous. I got the scripts. And the one of the first things I like to do is kind of circle the character that I think is most emotionally affected by the scene. Who's the most important person so that you can focus on your shot list? Like, who who is the scene really about? And my character's name is Lou. And I just kept circling Lou, Lou, Lou. The scripts were all about my character. <laughs> and not only that, on one one of the scripts, I was on a horse the entire time doing a cattle drive. And when you're on a horse, you're often so disconnected from the camera, you're like across a field, often really big wides to capture the mountains and stuff. I was, I was like racking my brain. How am I going to do this? I was going to bring in an assistant to be behind the monitor. But then literally the day before I was supposed to start prep, I sat down with the producer and he said kind of offhand, oh, and you know, I know it's not. Uh, ideal that you're directing these two because you're acting so heavily in them. But it's funny because the other director, Kristen Lehman, who uh-huh. I mentioned, could have probably switched with you. The, the the blocks could have probably done this one and you did hers. And I was like trying not to show how desperate I was. I was like, oh, well, um, maybe we should call her and, and check. <laughs> Let's just give her a ring and check. And he said, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll give her a shout and just see. She's supposed to start prep tomorrow, but we'll see. And I was like, okay, well, I'm good to go either way. He texted me later that night. Yeah, Kristen's good to, to switch with you. It was like a flood of relief. Oh. Because I don't mind acting, directing. I've always done it, but it would just, it seemed so crazy to be on a horse on a cattle drive and trying to direct this. Um, so now the blocks that I'm directing, which I start prep this week, I only have to act three days and it's like just night and day. Amazing. For our listeners, uh, what episodes are those? Oh, it'll be episode, uh, so season 15, it'll be episode seven and eight that I do. Fantastic. Episode seven and eight. Yeah. To finish off, you talked about thick skinned, tough, passion, preparation, authenticity. Now today, as you move forward as both an actor and a director, how would you describe your artistry in like three words? Intuitive brave, unique. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Michelle, thank you so much for bringing your intuitive, brave, and unique self to us today. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Michelle Morgan is of Chilean-Canadian descent. Screen credits include Heartland, Batwoman, The Imperfect, Stargate Atlantis, and George Romero's Diary of the Dead. Directing credits include Heartland, CBC Gems Hudson, and the award-winning short film Mi Madre, Mi Father, starring Stephen Amell, available on Encore Plus. Michelle works with women's shelters across Canada and supports organizations for families who are restarting after fleeing domestic abuse. She's a mom of two beautiful kids, loves collecting records, especially musicals, growing houseplants, yoga, and surfing in Dufino with her family. Thank you, Michelle, for joining us today. Be sure to check out future episodes of Women on Screen Out Loud wherever you get your podcasts. And check out upcoming events and initiatives from Women on Screen at womenonscreen.ca. Until next time, I'm Lara Jean Korostecki. And I'm Jennifer Pogue. And we are Women Women on Screen. Thank you to Company 3 Toronto for hosting us and for continuing to support Women on Screen. This podcast was created and produced by Lara Jean Korostecki and Jennifer Pogue. Executive produced by Farah Marani, Lauren McKinley, and Kira Murphy. With original music by Erica Procunye. Sound captured by Devin Doucette. And sound mixed by Arturo Fuenmayor at Company 3 in Toronto.